It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Quickly to Wall. Wall measures. Deal. Gets open for three. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Locked On Wizards podcast. I am your host for today's episode. I am Arthur Reynolds. You can find me on Twitter at District Mamba and make sure to check us out at Locked On Wizards for the latest and greatest in the Wizards offseason. Tonight's podcast basically ends my little series of covering each free agent that we've acquired. First up, we talked some D12, then we talked some Austin Rivers, and today we are talking Jeff Green with Chris Manning from Fear the Sword and also the host of the Locked On Cavs podcast. He is at CWM Writes on Twitter. What's going on, Chris? Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Thanks a lot for coming on with me. Uh, do you live in Cleveland? I do. I am uh, born and and raised in Cleveland. Awesome. So, right, I mean, there's no better Cavaliers perspective than someone that's been around the team for their entire life. So, let's get into it. So, Jeff Green, tell us Wizards fans something that you really enjoyed about Jeff Green. So, it's not a basketball thing, which probably freaks people out a little bit, but he was one of my favorite people to interact with as a member of the media last year. He's just a very nice guy. He's very just, uh, you know, he wasn't necessarily the most like open-ended, long-winded quote in the locker room, but I, I thought right. he was always pretty gracious with his time. I thought he was willing to share his story and his perspective on stuff, and he just was kind of like a good guy to be around and as much as you know as much as the flack as some Cavs fans gave him on Twitter um he was someone the locker really liked like him and LeBron had a very close relationship they had their own handshake with the after Black Panther came out with the uh, Wakanda Forever which people I'm sure like can visualize and you can find a clip of them doing that but he was just like a really good guy and I I think there he's a frustrating basketball player and I think everyone that is you know like deeply involved in following the NBA and covering the NBA like thinks that but I also think he's like as a human being he's just a great great guy and I think um for for a Wizards team that seems to have had like uh, there's a butt of a lot of jokes this offseason with the locker room I think having Jeff Green around is like at least a positive thing for them and that's really interesting to hear because you know you mentioned the locker room situation with 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 the Wizards right now I feel like these moves for maybe not so much Dwight Howard but Austin Rivers being you know we just talked to the host of the Locked On Clips podcast, and he talked about Austin Rivers being, 
you know, someone that has a strong presence in the locker room. He's like a really good voice. He, you know, tries really hard at practice and like he's like tone setter. And I feel like a lot of these moves that the Wizards have made, aside from questionably Dwight Howard, but we'll see what happens. But with Jeff Green, with you saying that, it seems like the Wizards really made an effort to create a new environment, kind of like a, a safe, you know, environment. Now, let's talk about Jeff Green in terms of, you know, you mentioned that he kind of gets hate for on the court. Off the court, great, check mark. We're good to go with off the court stuff. But on the court, what are some of the things that are frustrating about Jeff Green that has kind of given him this reputation around the league? Well, he has this uh, athletic profile of being a guy that should be like, he feels like he should be better than he is because he he had the best dunks on the Cavs last year. Him and LeBron were pretty, I mean, LeBron's were probably a little better because they're LeBron's, but right. Jeff Green's dunks, and you can find the clips of them, they're, they're fantastic, and he gets up, and he, he does a lot of, he does some things really well. He uh, runs the floor well, he dunks well, and when he sticks within the things that he's supposed to be good at, I think he can be a useful player. But when you ask him to do more, which the Cavs did last year, it creates problems. When you ask him to shoot threes, it's it's not a consistent thing. He will make some of them, and he'll have streaks where he will make a couple in a row, particularly from the corners. But it's something that he will do because teams give it to him, and it he just it, it just becomes a liability. And he does take them; he doesn't pass them up. Um, I think when you look at him as a ball handler, his handle's not super tight, so when he tries to attack and go one on one. It can get a little sloppy, and he's he's prone to turnovers. And as a defender, he's fine, but he's not the one that you can like ask to go defend like a really good player. And for the for the Cavs, that was a problem because they thought of him as maybe being a stopper, but that didn't work. I mean, you saw in the the Pacers series in the playoffs, they started him in game one of that series. It went poorly, and they they pulled him from the starting lineup after and kind of blew up the what they kind of hope would work. So he he's just the quintessential guy that has the tools to be a lot more and to looks like he should be able to do more, but just it isn't there in his game. And when teams ask him to be more than that, it's setting him up for failure in a way that's not really his fault, but it, it's still, if you're the team, if you're a fan of the team, it, it's frustrating, I think, to see that. Yeah, I, I can only imagine what that's like. So w- what's the deal with his, is it shot selection or is he just not a good knockdown three-point shooter? Like what's going on three-point wise? he's just not a good shooter I think like it's shot selection isn't great because I think you instead of him taking these open threes that that teams give him um I mean if you're if you're a if you're I would recommend anyone who wants to get used to Jeff Green go back and watch a lot of his three-point takes and you'll just see teams just not run out to defend him uh they just they, they're like that's fine like you, we can live with it with shot especially you know, I, I mean, even in a team like the Wizards, like they'll be like, okay, well, if Jeff Green's shooting, that means Beal's not shooting. That means John Wall's not shooting. That means Otto Porter even is he's not shooting. Um, for for the Cavs, it was just that would be like the fifth option or something on the floor, and he would get a three and he would take it. I, th- I think his like his form is okay, but he just has never he doesn't have like a rhythm to. It. He doesn't have. It seems like a lot of just natural flow in that shot. He's much better just when he when he has a using his athleticism to his advantage, and when he, it just that part of his game is just not refined. And I, I and so it's a bit of it's just not he's just not good at it. And I I think if you're him, you probably would be better served driving and, and attacking in space and trying to to get a layup or get fouled or get a dunk off or maybe even a, a mid range shot, frankly, um, as opposed to a three, because you, you just it seems like those are more comfortable positions for him right. as opposed to just taking open threes. Like use use what you have in your toolbox instead of taking just bad shots. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, not everybody's born to be a three point shooter. I think Wizards fans, we have a really 
we we would label Jeff Green as a certified Wizards killer. I mean, there are some games when he was when he was playing for the Boston Celtics that he just murdered us in every game in every way possible. It was just he got hot from three point land. He was dunking on everyone, and it was just very frustrating to watch because Jeff Green, you know, you look at his box score and it's just like, you know, 10, 15 points, 12 points. And then against the Wizards, he has 30. It's like, why? Why does this have to happen? Uh, now, um, something that I also feel like the Wizards are are leaning towards is kind of not really positionless basketball, but having players that are versatile, players that can play the four, play the three, you know, with Austin Rivers and Thomas Adoransky, we have two players that can play one through three. So Jeff Green, in terms of his versatility to play small forward and power forward, what was that? How did the Cavaliers use him? How did LeBron, you know, I mean, I feel like LeBron dictates a lot of what, you know, other players are going to play like. But how did the Cavaliers set up Jeff Green in Cleveland in terms of his versatility with the small forward and power forward position? So they basically used him in a way that I, I think the best way to describe it is, and I think you put this kind of perfectly, it is let's just let him to kind of do the stuff LeBron doesn't want to do. So he would guard uh, typically the, the bigger guy. He would do more of the work inside. and then he, Or if they were on a team with you know two, two wings, and he would defend the better of the two. So LeBron could you know loaf off ball a little bit. And, and right. quant- like if you're there spinning it, playing, playing free safety, which he wasn't really always doing. Um, I, and tell me if you think I'm, I'm wrong here, but I think with the Wizards that maybe that's less of a concern just because you have Otto Porter. You're never going to ask Jeff Green to defend Kevin Durant like for most of a game or defend James Harden or like right. list off any score. Like They have Otto Porter to do that. So it's like you can hide him in better spaces, and maybe that makes him look better. But I think if you look back at how they used him as that in that small ball situation with LeBron, it was just he would do the stuff LeBron didn't want to do. And that was that was frankly probably overestimating what he's capable of and also just betting too much on a guy that, that is what he is and it, it's i think asking to stretch more than he probably could have right and if anything it's just another body to throw at someone i feel like that's what mm-hmm. jeff green is going to be like here because you mentioned Otto porter that's kind of a debate as well here in dc like the Otto porter you know he's making all these money he's making all this money and his three-point shot is really good but defensively there's just there's just a something that's left to be desired, honestly. So something, someone that can spare Otto Porter, like like I'm like we're basically making out Jeff Green to be a body to throw at because we also have Kelly Oubre who is more has more of a, a defensive presence than Otto Porter. So if that's just another body that we can throw around, that would be great because. More times than not, and more times than we would be comfortable with, we've seen Otto Porter get exposed uh, defensively. And it it could honestly be his injury problems. Otto Porter has a really nagging like hip issue, and that definitely would affect any common person with moving laterally or you, you know being active on defense versus just running to the three-point line and shooting. But with Jeff uh-huh. Green, that honestly sounds pretty pretty good to me like i i feel like a lot of these wizards moves they're not really to bring in that third star you know we obviously tried we couldn't but these moves are more so like bodies that we can insert like when auto porter's out and then he can be the starter or kelly Oubre can be the starter but we fell into that situation against toronto in the playoffs where auto porter just gave out health wise and we were stuck with nothing, you know, to 
to add some depth to our lineup. So Jeff Green is more of that presence. Now, something that I've been kind of preaching and hoping, and I hope that you can confirm it or, you know, shoot my dreams down, but Jeff Green brings a championship presence or at least the experience of playing with LeBron, which I feel like each player should, that should multiply, you know, your means to like playing in the NBA. We need someone in this locker room that can kind of be like, hey, like I know what it takes. Like we had Paul Pierce and that was probably the best, team that we had because he kind of didn't take those games lightly that we take lightly now like we lose against the nets we lose against the bulls and can jeff green be kind of like that locker room presence that has been to the nba finals and he played with lebron so he understands like to be the best you have to win these games and then take care of stuff in the playoffs what what type of locker room presence can jeff green bring to this wizards team that is kind of up in air right now. You know, I don't know if he's going to be someone that's going to do much of the rah-rah leadership. Type. Like, I don't think he's someone that's going to be out in front of your locker room leading the charge or getting kind of taking on, like, the moxie of a guy. He's a very understated guy. Like, he, he's, he was friendly with pretty much everyone in the locker room, as far as I know, and, and that range from Kevin Love to Jetty Osman all the way up to LeBron. Uh, but wasn't the guy out there like getting like kind of pushing things forward and, and maybe he wasn't the, the like a leader in that sense but I think he's a good camaraderie guy in the sense that he's going to keep guys gelled and he's just, he's a just pretty amicable guy he's going to be friendly with everyone so I think you know he might he, he certainly I think is going to help things but I, when you look at what the the benefit might be I don't know if, if he's going to provide like the moxie that you might need. I don't know. I, and like, that's tough because like Paul Pierce obviously provided that and, and every team I think needs that. But I, I don't know if you're getting that from him. I think like his value really derives from the fact that he's like just a nice friendly teammate to be around. But at the same time, he when he sticks within what he does, he actually can do some really positive things and, and can at least do some things well, even if that some of the things he doesn't do well end up looking worse when you compare right. them side by side. Okay. Well, you know, i uh... I still hold out hope. Uh, obviously, that kind of puts more of a perspective on what I was thinking Jeff Green could bring. But not every player is born to be a leader. Not every player. Like, we have Otto Porter. He's the quietest person in the world. Like, Paul Pierce had to physically, like, push him to, like, get him amped for a game. And just everyone's not born to, like, pound their chest and lead the team out of the locker room and things like that. So that's perfectly fine. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, Jeff Green will like get like really sorry to interrupt, but he will get like very um, like energized when things are like like it, it's not. He's a guy that will like feed into and help you do that, and he's also a guy who I don't think gets too low. I don't think he's someone that when like there's drama around or like negativity, he really sinks into it. As far as I know um, and understand, like Jeff Green, he's a guy that I think has really good perspective okay. on a lot of things, and I think when you're if you're if he's he's not going to. Like, he, if he's not leading you out, like, with carrying the flag and, like, like being the, the lead of the charge, he is not, at the, on the other side of that token, he's not going to be the guy that brings you down, like, or makes things worse. I think, like, so it's maybe not the same peak as, like, of, of what, like, maybe that Wizards team, like, needs, but he at least is not going to, I think, contribute to any to any Right, which is, which is like a good that. thing, because we have plenty of players around to be the cause of that in DC, <laughs> which is, I mean, that that's... Yeah, that, that's, I, I feel like that's that's pretty good. You know, a player that isn't going to add to it and a player that isn't going to, you know, get brought down by it. That's that's 
that speaks a lot to his personality, to his character. So that's good to know. And also, uh, Jeff Green went to Georgetown, so he's reuniting with another Georgetown alum in Otto Porter. He's in D.C., so hopefully, you know, a hometown feeling, we can get a different version of Jeff Green. Now, let's talk about, you mentioned the highlights of Jeff Green. Like, he's known for explosive dunks. Uh, I remember last year, one of the preseason games, Jeff Green just bodied Jan Mahimi at the basket and dunked on him, and the entire bench, like, jumped up. It was crazy. Like, I, I've that type of athleticism, I, I think I'm forever going to be taking a bide by it because in D.C. we don't really have anyone outside of John Wall or... Kelly Oubre has tried a few times to end some lives on the on the court, but it, it he the ball slips or he misses the dunk. But aside from athleticism and aside from a running mate for these fast breaks, from what it seems like he's really good at running, what were some of the best games that Jeff Green had? And when I say best games, it's not because anybody can go you know on a sports app and check out like oh his career high for the season was thirty points. But I, I want to know what was the best game that Jeff Green had in Cleveland last year and then what was the worst game that or the worst games the worst stretch of his season last year that Jeff Green had so I, I think two games immediately come to mind when you say that number one I think he had a game against the Rockets and I want to say November and I might be wrong on the date, but okay. it was in Houston um but he was guarding James Harden all game and did like a really good job like staying in front of him, not getting baited into some of the issues and that, that Harden can cause for you. And yeah, just like when he just wrecks people and he was just really engaged in that. And then the offensive end, he got the line like 20 times or something like that. Um, and just took a bunch of free throws, scored like 30 points. I don't know like, the exact numbers. I can't, just can't remember them at this point. Um, but he was just like so weirdly good in this game. And he was like the reason they were competitive against the Rockets in Houston. Um, this, I can't remember exactly when that game was, but he was just like okay. phenomenal in that game. Um, and like, just like weirdly shows you that like Jeff green driving is like so much better than Jeff green settling for threes. Cause even when he makes a three, it just like enables him right. to do it more. And when he drives, like he just like goes for, he goes for dunks and has athleticism to do it. And it like yields good things. Um, the worst game would have to be the Pacers game in the playoffs. And he just like was just a liability in that sense, and you saw like the limitations of really um, of of Jeff Green in, in this NBA. He doesn't shoot, so teams the Pacers just ignored him and and threw more had more help on LeBron. He he was just outclassed by Ladipo, and the whole defense kind of unraveled when he couldn't do what the, what Tyloo kind of hoped he could be able to do as a stopper, or at least a, a a stopper in place to at least be a body on on the best score on the other team. So it, it's like that there you can have games where he just like a game like the Rockets where he does something really unexpected and he has like a really nice game and it, and it helps you in a way. But then you get to, I think the, the big concern with him is can he do that in the playoffs? And I think this year, if you look at the, that game in particular against Indiana, a team that can game plan for it and a team that is prepared for, for what Jeff Green is and teams are game planning more and more that time right. of the year. And as we know, that that is when he becomes I that 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 is when you get really worried about uh, I think what him being on the floor in the last five minutes of a game or, or really at all for any right that, that's that's really good to know because you know there's definitely a, a difference and you mentioned the difference between the regular season and the playoffs it's the scouting you know obviously when you're playing 
you know, if we play Cleveland in game 29 of the NBA season, it's going to be different than if we matched up with them in the playoffs because that's you're you're playing the same team at least four times. You need to figure out a way to beat them. Versus the regular season, I'm sure there's some scouting that goes into it, like maybe force this player left, force this player right. But in the playoffs, you mentioned that game against Indiana where he was I, – I remember watching that. I was like, wow, this this is not what I thought Jeff Green was going to be like in Cleveland. But, you know, whatever happened, happened. And uh, those are two games that Wizards fans should definitely check out. The best of the best against Houston, and then the worst of the worst against Pacers, so that we can get a good idea of the range of player that Jeff Green is. Now, one more thing before we wrap up here: um, some projected win totals came out, and you know we noticed that the Wizards are set at forty-four and a half, which I feel like is pretty fair. But at the same time, with a weakened East, that seems pretty low. And I believe for the Cavaliers, it was 30 and a half. And you mentioned that you think going over is definitely possible. We want to get into, to wrap up this episode, a lot of us Wizards fans, and honestly, a lot of people in the East outside of Cleveland, feel like the East is wide open. I personally don't think that's true, because I think there's definitely the Celtics that would slip in, the Raptors with Kawhi Leonard if it works out. And then, you know, the Sixers, eh, I'm not as high on them as a lot of people are. But first of all, what was it like being in the finals? What seemed like a guarantee for the last few years? What was that like? Can you tell us Wizards fans who haven't seen an NBA finals win or championship since 1978 before I was born? And what, what was that like? Like, can you just explain that in maybe like a minute or so? What was that experience like going to the finals every year? It's cool. Um, getting to cover it was like one of the nuttiest things I've ever done because it's just so many people and just like so much going on at once that you just like sort of can't like believe it and it takes longer and um, it, it's it's just like you're sort of like it's sort of unreal to like just see everything sort of going on at once and how big of a, of a spectacle it is. Um, it's also just like very like interesting to see how uh, how people react to it in the sense that like the, the Cleveland obviously has its own history and just seeing how much it meant to people to even have a shot at that title for the for the for people that are just the, the biggest hardcore fans was really really I think indeed shows you shows you shows you how much it really means to people. It's like that, what I will remember from it is just like how much it, it meant to people that I know that I'm friends with that are in my family like just how much that title meant to people and just knowing that like you had a shot every year and yes there's like anxiety that comes out of it too because you don't want to like you know if you it felt inevitable i think as most people know like it just felt like the warriors were going to roll um pretty much every time but it, it's a really really cool experience just even the deep playoff runs it's just like now i the Cavs may not get there again for 10 20 years or something like that depending right. on how things go so it's one of those things you, I think when it happens, you just kind of got to kind of live. Yeah. That that, I mean, that, that sounds incredible, but at the same time, like I'm sure, you know, LeBron leaving again was definitely something that another thing that Wizards fans don't know about when a superstar leaves. Um, but we're, we're used to trading them away, you know, with Gilbert Arenas and, uh, Karam Butler, Antoine Jameson, when we tra- traded him to, uh, Cleveland to pursue a ring, you know, all that stuff. But, you know, to mm. end this episode, I want to wrap up with what are you, how do you, you know, you guys have dominated the East for so long. How do you see the East, you know, how, how will the East play out this season with LeBron in the West and all these ascending teams and teams like the Pacers and the Bucks, the Wizards that are kind of there, but 
What, what do you think is going to happen in the East? You know, I, I'm very intrigued by these just because there's going to be some weirdness, I think. I think you look at the Cavs are in a position where they're going to be worse, but it's still kind of a bad conference at right. the lower end, right? Um, I think the three best teams are probably pretty clearly I – think, I think Boston should be, like, the best team. I think then Toronto, if Kawhi's healthy, should be there, and I think Philly's there. Then I think you get into, like, Indiana, Milwaukee, and Washington would probably be – my next okay. three. And then I don't know. I think the bottom is so bad. I think the Bulls are going to be atrocious. I think the Cavs have a chance to be really bad, especially lean into the youth, which I don't think they're going to do. Charlotte could end up being a mess to some degree. Detroit could really, if, if things get weird there, that could get really bad in her. The Knicks should be really bad. Uh, the Hawks, obviously, are going to be really, really bad. So there's like a lot of really bad teams, and I think three teams that are clearly better than everybody else. In that middle, it's just going to be really interesting because if things break right for Washington, maybe they're number four, or maybe they push up past someone to three if the injuries go the right way. Maybe Indiana is a fluke from last year. Maybe the Cavs just like feast on bad competition and and are like the seventh seed or something like that. I don't know, but I the only thing I feel very secure in saying about the East is that I think Boston's the best yeah. team, and I like everything else I just don't know. But I'm sort of. To be honest with you, I'm sort of, like, very, in a way, I'm sort of relieved to, like, be in this world where, like, there's no LeBron in this East because it makes my job, like, a little more interesting. And for me, it's, like, I'll have more room to, like, explore some of this in Cleveland because it's just easier to get around now for less <laughs> yeah. people. But, like, I th- but I, th- but I think for, like, everybody else, if you're a Wizards fan, I can imagine it feels like, like someone has, like, had their foot on your neck for, like, a decade and then it's like now it's like you can breathe again and you can like have hope again to some degree. And that's it. That what that looks like in the East is really really interesting because like, we just yeah. we just don't know. It's just he's been so dominant for however long that he's dictated it. And now he doesn't, and we can like guess at what things are going to happen. But I'm just fascinated to see how like a conference without him. Yeah, does I am play too. Out. Like I'm I'm counting down the days just because. You mentioned you know Boston. I I think we can both agree, and a majority of people agree Boston is the number one seed, probably undisputed. But I just think every single mm-hmm. team has a question mark. So Boston, yes, they're going to be kind of like the, the favorites going in, but you know, adding Gordon Hayward, adding Kyrie Irving to that playoff run, you know, it might there might be some chemistry issues. You know, less Terry Rozier, less, you know, Jason Tatum, less all of all those players that played such a huge role in that run. And that could, you know, backfire on them. With Toronto trading away an all-star in DeMar DeMar DeRozan for Kawhi Leonard, who we don't know what's going on with Kawhi Leonard. So, again, that's another team that has a question mark. And then finally, the Sixers, although, you know, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, they're probably at least a fifth seed at worst with just the two of them. They lost their shooters. And what type of effect is that going to have? Because they were kind of mediocre until they got those shooters and then they ascended you know upwards so with the wizards that's the same thing we acquired dwight howard huge unknown austin rivers again seems like a pretty good solution for a backup spot that has never had a a reliable legit solution and the health of john wall the health of Otto porter there's a bunch of question marks so I really hope something wild like Indiana is the one seed and Washington is the eighth seed again, just to see what happens, you know, because if that happens, that was probably Mm -hmm. a very entertaining season. 
But that's going to be it for this episode. Uh, thank you, Chris, for breaking down Jeff Green. I mean, I feel like I have a bitter perspective on him. Obviously, you know, stats can only tell you so much. And you having a media presence there, getting to know him. Thank you for providing that insight. Um, again, follow him on Twitter. He is at CWM Rights. He uh, contributes to Fear the Sword, which is from SB Nation. And he is the host of the Locked on Cavs podcast. I am your host, Arthur Reynolds, and thank you for joining me today. And we'll catch you guys next time. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Thank you.